This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. A ton to get to on the podcast today. If you missed last episode where we previewed SMU Navy, we did that on the episode and we were also joined by Kevin Hudson of SMU Men's Soccer, who's going through the NCAA tournament, which begins on Sunday at Westcott Field. So definitely check that out. But on this podcast, we're going to answer a lot of subscriber questions. We're going to talk team. We're going to talk recruiting. We're going to talk a little basketball as well. As uh, Look, there's a lot of, of things to get to with, with the recruiting world beginning to spin a little bit here down the stretch as SMU continues to kind of line up some some targets and 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 monitor that. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the future of, of SMU football. And then we've got some SMU basketball questions. And we've got questions just about really a bunch of stuff uh, around the college football world. So we're going to answer all of that for you guys. And I want to jump right in. Uh, was asked if I think SMU is or when SMU is getting to 10 wins, I think. This weekend, it happens. I think SMU is able to go into Navy and get a win. I think it's going to be something like 42-31. I don't think the rain is going to really affect the the game that much uh, from SMU's side. It's not going to be windy. Sonny Dykes talked about that on Monday. How they don't they they haven't found that to be a factor actually when kind of studying it. So anyway, uh, I like SMU to get the ten wins this weekend and and put themselves in into position to at least have a shot at the AAC West crown uh, next weekend in, in Gerald J. Ford Stadium if if Memphis can lose a game between here and now. And speaking of that, I was asked if, if USF's gotten better and if they have a chance to beat Memphis. And I think, I don't think they have a legit chance, but they've got a chance, I guess. They played pretty well last week against Cincinnati and, and just lost by 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 three points and really needed, I think, three missed field goals to to win, basically, or to lose, sorry. So if they, they, if they had missed, if they had made a field goal, they are at least going to overtime. If they made two of the three, they, they win the ball game. So USF definitely playing better since, really, I think, three weeks ago when they lost the Navy 35-3. to They beat ECU by, by two touchdowns, and or at least, at least two touchdowns. It was a pretty lopsided score. And then lost uh, 17-7 to Temple. And, and then uh, now this week they've got a chance to spoil Memphis, Memphis's uh, regular season with, with a win if they can do it. But they've got a chance, but we'll, we'll just kind of have to see. I do think Charlie Strong ends up returning. I think his, his contract's just too much for USF to part ways with at this point from what I heard last week. So, um, look, as – as SMU enters this kind of home stretch and you get into that time of year where coaching decisions will start to be made by other schools, I was asked if I think Rhett Lashley or Kevin Kane will end up being uh, poached or whatever, whether it be a Power 5 coordinator or, or a head coaching job. And 
here are kind of some a couple couple of my thoughts on that. I I think right now both are really happy with where they are. I think for for Rhett, you've got to remember that they're going to have Shane Bouchelle back next year as well. So they've got a top ten offense this year. Talking with people around around the program that they feel like got a chance to be even better next year. Quarterbacks in their second year of their system just tend to do better. And so SMU has a chance to be better offensively next year, and I think that's something that Red will think about. But if you get a head coaching opportunity, I think either one, depending on where it is, and most likely a, a group of five type of head coaching opportunity, I would think. I, I think both of them would have to jump. But I do think situation has to be right in all those things for that to happen. So right now, uh, I think I think both are safe. I, I know uh, I know last offseason they both turned down opportunities elsewhere elsewhere in the Power Five ranks to, to stay at SMU. So I think that's that's important. And like I said, they're they're really happy. they both their families are really happy in, in Dallas and at SMU. So I think right now they're they're safe. But you know, it's a good problem to have, and and it's a good. Thing that SMU will have to cross when they do um, because I do think eventually one or both of them will end up moving on to a, to either a bigger level as far as a coordinator or getting a head coaching opportunity somewhere they're, they're both really sharp and 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 have been huge for for SMU and, and the success that they've had I want to look at the team now I was asked about the quarterback position I was asked a lot of questions about the quarterback position from Terrence Gibson to Will, Will Brown the 2021 recruits to, to uh 2020 commit Raylan Sharp and how he fits into the fold and so we're going to talk a little bit kind of all all of that right now over the next few minutes because it is intriguing the quarterback position at SMU now and in the future is probably the most intriguing position on the football team you've got Shane Bouchelle returning for his senior season next year and then from there we've really seen I would say Terrence Gibson probably be the number two guy, I think, when you look at the development of him and Will Brown. Will Brown, both of, both of them have developed very nicely. But I think the, the upside of Terrence Gibson being an elite athlete, being a really, really fast quarterback, and he's got just such pop on, the, on his ball, I think by the time you look to the 2021 season, I think Gibson has as good of a chance as anybody to be the starter. And I... I I just don't know if Will Brown's going to have the consistency enough to, to do it, but he's he's taken a lot of steps. He really has, uh, at least before he got injured and is now out for the year. And and so I think Terrence, just when you watch him, he's got just such zip on the ball. He's got a big arm. And, yeah, I, I hated it for him with his senior year, him going down and and, and – not being able to have that senior year because I, he was off to a terrific start as a senior and just his ability to extend plays, to run, to run around. I think it's going to be huge for SMU's offense. And, and so anyway, I, I think Terrence Gibson is probably your 2021 starter. And when it, when you look at the 2020 quarterback class with, with Raylan Sharp right now, look, five, nine or not guys, we've learned over the last couple of years that production and athleticism translates to the next level, whether it be 
high school to college or college to the NFL. And I mean, look at what Kyler Murray is doing in, in Arizona. I believe he's, I believe he's getting close to breaking a few rookie records as a passer in the NFL. And, and he's five, nine. I mean, I don't care what he's listed at. He's, he's about five, nine. And so I, I do think Raylan is going to have a chance to, to be a really good quarterback for SMU. His his season this year at Allen in the, his, just his first year as a starter has been terrific. I mean, unbelievable efficiency numbers. And look, I know it's Allen, guys, but again, we talk about what translates. And historically, great senior seasons is is something that translates to the next level. When you look back on why true freshmen are taking the reins at at college programs or why they just end up being great college quarterbacks in general. You can see a correlation with great senior seasons, especially in terms of completion percentage, which Raylan is doing a great job with, and and how they are able to then play at the next level. So I think Raylan's got a chance to be a great quarterback. I really do. He's going to get that opportunity, and we'll see how it goes. But he's he's going to be a legit option. And then in the 2021 class, whoever they sign – whether it be Preston's own, whether it be Sawyer Robertson, Garrett Nesmeyer, they watched last week. That's, I mean, it'll be a battle, and it's a good problem to have. And I, I don't think anybody would have thought just really, I mean, two years ago that we would be talking about that position being so highly competitive and just kind of, like I said, I think it's the most interesting position on the football team, just from a, from a current standpoint, from a future standpoint. There's a lot of questions that are going to be have to be answered, really, once Shane Bouchelle leaves. And that's natural, but there's so many different ways it can, it can go. And um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I think I was asked if SMU would be recruiting uh, Joey Gatewood. We posted that back on the board a while ago that SMU is not interested in Joey. Um, or Grant Tisdale, the, the Ole Miss quarterback transfer for that matter. So they're not going after him. I think, I think they're in great shape with their quarterback position. I think they feel the same. So don't expect them to take a transfer or anything like that at the quarterback position at this, at this point. Now, looking at the 2020 class, let, let's talk about some timelines, okay? Because I think people are just gunning for a commitment at this point. And, and it, like, I get it. But – it's got they have got to get the right ones and we talked about it on the board at like ad nauseum right they have certain guys that they have slotted on their board and that they want and if they get them great if not they're going to attack with the transfer portal and i think that's like for example running back i don't expect them to take a 2020 running back right now um so they're going to attack that with the transfer portal. And it's all about roster spots and balancing the roster and doing this and that. So I think when you look at timelines for some of their top 2020 candidates, let's look at wide receiver positions. So Mason, Mason Mangum, former Arkansas commit, Thad Johnson, Beaumont Westbrook wide receiver, Savion Williams out of East Texas and Marshall, and then Loic Fungi uh, out of Midland Lee. I mean, those are the guys that are still out there and – it, for me, I would take Thad and Loic. I think that that is just like a terrific mix. I think Mason Mangum would be hard to turn away too. I, I think you can't go wrong with either of those three. I think Savion would be if you felt like you needed absolutely had to have a big receiver. 
Savion would be a replacement for missing on Loic Bungie, who I think they're still in it for. I mean, that from talking with a lot of sources around the country and looking at this recruitment, when you look at it and handicap it at Baylor, SMU, uh, Texas Tech, and Texas, Baylor and Texas don't feel good about where they where they're at. SMU feels like they're in it, and Texas Tech feels good, and I think that's about right. And so, but he hasn't made a decision yet, and he's taken these, these official visits. He was supposed to decide pretty shortly after his Texas official visit, and so why hasn't there been a decision made? He's just kind of a different duck. And but as it drags out, I mean, if you're SMU, I mean, that's a good thing. You you're kind of holding off. You're kind of in there. You're battling. And you kind of see where it lands. Do I think they land him at this point? No. But he's still out there. And so I think a decision from him could come at any time because he's talked about wanting a decision shortly after official visits. But um, he is a big fish wor worth waiting on. And then Thad Johnson taking an SMU official visit. I, I thought he was going to make a decision quickly after. He said he was trying to make a decision quickly thereafter. He's somebody that I think, once again, could – could maybe take another official visit here and then and then decide. But here's the thing, guys. I mean, time is up. So for, for SMU, for example, they've got November 30th and December 13th, if they're not playing for the AAC title game, to host official visitors. And if they, you know, don't play in the AAC title game, they're they're hosting official visitors that second weekend. But I mean, it it it's I mean, it's crunch time here. I mean, we are we are less than a month away now from the early signing period beginning. And so you'll start to see some dominoes drop just around the country. And, and we saw Latrell Bankston, a defensive tackle out of the JUCO ranks, commit to Iowa State. He was a target for SMU. They just, you know, the, he, he, he said he wanted to visit, but they never got him down to visit. He's a you know, kid that probably enjoyed being, being up in the Midwest and, and all of that out in the plains and and so he, it kind of fit well with the junior college aspect that that he's now used to so um that's i just think you'll start to see some decisions made here late in november and then early december from the from some of the high school prospects and then juco guys will sign will, will announce commitments usually during that juco signing period so they they go through a they go through a process and and they don't they don't really waver from it too much. And that's just kind of how it goes with, with the junior college guys for the most part. Like, obviously, the trail just committed. But but for the most part, they do go through that routine. So, for example, Jacorian Bennett, who's still out there, has a Maryland official visit lined up for December 13th. So right before that, that early signing period begins, he's going to Mississippi State this weekend. So he's he's still out there, and actually was talking with a source at Mississippi State just yesterday about Jacorian, and, and he said, look, he's he's a pretty cool customer, and he had no problem saying that you know, SMU is one of the schools that I'm definitely considering, and 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 that you know even from that source's standpoint, wouldn't be surprised if they 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 ended up with Jacorian. So when I when I say they're SMU's battling and they're in it, they they are for a lot of these guys, even if. You know, you guys might say, oh, well, they're battling an SEC team, battling this team, battling that team. I mean, look, they, they beat Oklahoma last year straight up for, for Daniel Sinike. That wasn't a drop. That wasn't this. That wasn't that. This staff has done a really good job of being able to go in there with the big boys and compete. Right now, since July, they just haven't had one single skin on the wall 
as far as a commitment. And it's frustrating for, for you guys listening as fans, but it right now where it stands, if they can finish out this regular season and, and, and win these next two games, and regardless of if they play for the AAC title, it, it's going to give them that momentum boost going into, for example, when they host when they host some prospects for that Tulane game, going into December when, they, when they've got some official visit weekends to use. So I, I think it, it's um, – the, the timeline is, is, is here. I mean, this is when you're going to start to see some of these guys start to make decisions. And, you know, we're starting to even see 2021s pop off. And, and somebody asked, when's the first 2021 commit? Well, they got it last week in, in Isaiah Kelly, the, the um, uh, outside linebacker out of, out of Lubbock. I mean, he's, he's a really, really talented – uh, player that they feel like can can come in and 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 grow up and and become like an outside linebacker uh, safety. He's actually uh, playing Denton Ryan this weekend in the state playoffs. Lubbock Coronado, where where SMU got Jalen Thomas out of. Um, so they're they're doing a good job recruiting that that West Texas. They've got Carl Taylor committed in this 2020 class, the safety out of out of Midland Lee. So West Texas is is becoming starting to become kind of a a place where SMU can go in and certainly get players out of. And then when when other 2021s really start deciding, I, I think they're more springtime decisions for the most part. You'll start to see some guys pop up on junior days and what have you and and come in and 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 make decisions. But I will say SMU again I think they're going to follow the same model they did this year. I think I think you're going to see kind of a spree of commitments in June for the most part when they bring in certain players on official visits and then they're going to leave things up to senior evals. And I think that's the way to do it. I, I at this point there's so much and you know from L, like LSU for example, they're filled up. They were at 25 commitments as of yesterday morning and they're they're having to start to cut other players because they're getting better ones because of the season that they're they're having. And I think for SMU, if, if you're having the season that you're having this year, it's going to really impact the 2021 class. And everybody looks at Preston Stone, but, you know, Sawyer Robertson's out there, quarterback Garrett Nussmeyer. If, if LSU doesn't press for him, they're, they're in it, I think. So uh, for me, there's a lot of positivity out there on the recruiting trail for SMU. And especially in 2021, they're, they're going to be able to, to kind of, bet on themselves once again. And, and so I, I think SMU and their deliberate nature on the recruiting trail is, is going to pay off for them. We'll see. This is a big test. So if they end up striking out completely on their remaining high school targets, and, and I'm not going to group the high school and junior college targets together because junior college guys usually follow this timeline. And as we've seen the last two classes, SMU comes together late and gets pretty good junior college players late um, from, from Nick Dennis to Trevor Denbo. Sam Westfall is going to contribute at some point. Kobe Bryant has played some serious snaps for SMU. Uh, Brian Holloway stepped in. So they do a really good job of evaluating junior college talent. I'm, I'm never going to worry too much about SMU and junior colleges. Sonny Dykes was a junior college coach. Kevin Kane spent some time at JUCOs. A lot of these guys have spent time at JUCOs. So they've got really good ties to that to those ranks and those players just a side late. So when you're looking at targets and you're saying, oh, well, why haven't they popped or whatever, when you have junior college targets, that's just, they take more time. For for the high school side of things, 
if they strike out, I think it's kind of an interesting, it's going to be an interesting decision to make and see how they approach next class from, from that perspective. And, and will they take more commitments in the summer before senior years? Like they had the opportunity to take some 2020 running back commits. They ended up not. And, and now they're not taking a 2020 commitment. On the flip side of that, they're not taking a 2020 tight end because they got Kedrick James from Alabama. And so th whenever they got opportunities to add great players, it impacts how things end up in the next recruiting class without a doubt. And, and we've seen some 2021 offers go out of tight end. Elijah Arroyo out of Frisco Independence ended up picking up an offer and, and, and getting that. And so you're going to see them try to target a 2021 tight end. But – um, 2021 at running back in the state of Texas is really impressive, and, and they're, they're dishing out some offers there as well. So that, I hope, kind of answers a lot of recruiting questions, but we're going to start kind of breaking down the 2021 class as we get into December and we have a lot more free time without uh, really the, the true grind of the season going along, and we'll start looking ahead for you guys as, as, as that approaches and, and breaking down targets, breaking down offers out and, and who could commit and things like that. So be sure to check it out on Pony Stampede there when, when that starts to get rolling. Switching total gears, 180, and, and uh, before I do, I'm going to answer one final question. Would Willie Fritz from Tulane fit at Arkansas? I, I don't think they're going to go the same private school head coach route, but I, I think the world of Willie Fritz and their staff, I think they do a great job taking that program, what they've done. They recruit Louisiana really well, which would be a plus for Arkansas. They've recruited Texas well. Uh, so I, I think it would be a really good hire. I think he would he's somebody that's done more with less, so kind of s similar to Sonny Dykes and what he did at La Tech for, for years. And he, he – He's just a vet, and, he, and he's won everywhere he's been. So anyway, I, I think it'd be a good fit. I don't think that's the way they're going to go, though. Finally, switching gears, got, to, got a few questions on SMU basketball. Uh, would Larry Brown ever return? No. Uh, name, image, and likeness, what's the impact on conference realignment? There's none, really, because it's all it, – it's, it's the state decision. And, and then the NCAA said – kind of you can you know you can start doing it and they're going to make the changes and things like that but at the same time I, I just don't think it has anything to do with conference realignment the only the only because it's not it's not done through the school so SMU can't pay Shane Bouchelle from my understanding name image likeness to market the heck out of them I I, I don't think that that's how it works it's if you want to if Shane can get a car dealership to put them on TV and when they want to pay him a thousand bucks, he can do that. So I don't think it has anything to do with conference realignment. Will winning increase attendance? I think maybe. It depends. I mean, there's a lot of animosity in the fan base towards Tim Jankovic and what he's done um, the last two years. And it's not, I mean, the injuries are what they were and and all of that, but it was just, it's just exhausting. I mean, it was exhausting for two years to hear the same same thing every single press conference about, well, we're shorthanded or this or that. And I mean, gosh, they, he he said it the other night and he said it he said it about Evansville when they got in foul trouble. And, you know, you're redshirting Darius McBride and, and it, it's, I mean, you're, that's a decision you're making to take him off the floor. 
when you still don't have answers on on waivers. So I mean, it's just your. I don't know. I, I I think they would have to just win every single game to really see like attendance bump up. I I don't know. I mean, it, it would have to be, they would have to go like undefeated through non conference and end up getting on a roll in AAC play. I mean, I I really do. I I think I think there's that much animosity in the in the fan base towards towards Tim Jankovic. So I I think you'd see an attendance bump. I don't think you'd see. I don't think you'd see it return to like Moody Magic type level this year without them being, let's say, in f- early February, like really in the race for the AAC and really playing well and really playing good basketball. And so, yeah, I, I just I think there's way too much animosity, and and I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but but that's just my take on it. And as far as the new catchphrase thing, I, I mean. Texas, Texas isn't gonna take an SMU phrase. So Moody Magic is there to say so. There to uh, there to stay. So when UT opens their Moody Center or whatever, they're not gonna take Moody Magic away or whatever. I, I don't I don't see that. So anyway, um, with that, guys, I think that'll wrap up this portion of the podcast. And now, after this quick break from the Pony Stampede podcast, we're gonna go to our interview with men's tennis coach Grant Chen. We caught up about his 2020 recruiting class and kind of his entering his second season at the helm of SMU men's tennis. So looking forward to uh, having you guys hear that. And we'll go to that interview right now. And then that'll do it for this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. And hope you guys enjoy the interview with SMU men's tennis coach Grant Chen. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for joining us. Joining us on the phone line now, Grant Chen entering his second year as head coach of SMU men's tennis, coming off a busy period of the year for him. Two signees have inked during the early signing period in Liam Crawl and Callaway Clark. We're going to get to those just in a second, but Coach Chen, this, this has to be a time where you can kind of breathe a little bit now that uh, the, the national signing period, the early signing period is a little bit over, right? Well, Billy, thanks for having me. First off, it's uh, it's fun to be on this podcast and have an opportunity to speak with you and obviously a fellow Mustang. And um, but it's it's great, you know. Now uh, the fall has officially wrapped up in a lot of a lot of different ways. Yes, NLI signing was uh, last week, and always an exciting time, not just for our program and the school, but I really think for the um, the young men and women who who signed NLIs. I think that's a very special day. I think they're going to remember it forever. And obviously those who don't go 
and choose us, you know, that's okay still. You know, I think you can't get every recruit, but, you know, you always uh, follow them and, you know, wish them well and support them obviously down the road. But I think you'll always remember your NLI signing day. And, and you have just done a terrific job recruiting for, for SMU since you've arrived. Tell me a little bit about Liam and, and Callaway. I know, I know Liam's going to come with, with a lot of the fanfare being a five-star recruit, but Callaway, a local Dallas area tennis player that, that has a lot of SMU ties as well. Sure. Well, look, we're we're very excited to build on this 2020 uh, recruiting class after having a really strong two, 2019 recruiting class. This is something that our coaching staff has really strived for. We have a real uh, agenda and plan as to where we want our program to be going, and I know we're heading in that right direction. It certainly takes a little bit of time, but it's an exciting process and a really fun journey. Uh, so after this uh, past year's recruiting class, who are all now freshmen, you know, to bring in two really strong kids, I think is fantastic. Liam Paul is uh, has so much upside. I've gotten to know him quite well and been out to New York quite a few times, and I spent a lot of time out there. And you know, he's got a great um, family and he's been training hard. And I think he's over the moon to be joining the program. And signing day was a, a special day for him. So we're excited to really have him. He's got a lot of upside and he's got a big game. He's got a big frame and. I truly feel he's just he's starting to scratch the surface of what his potential is really capable of. You know, I think it, you know he's uh, not a late bloomer, but I think he's always managed his school, and that was something that's really important to me is being a student athlete. He goes to a traditional high school, he's there, you know, for seven hours a day, and then goes to uh, his academy and he trains there for a couple hours and he plays the tournaments on weekends. So that's something that's um, been important to him and important to me as we kind of continue. And I know he's excited for being a part of the future and uh, close to home in Callaway. Uh, truthfully, Callaway was really one of our top priorities. You know, when I first had arrived uh, and got hired by SMU, um, recruiting in our own backyard is important. This is an incredible state, incredible tennis community. Dallas is wonderful. And to have a, a local young man who grew up uh, five minutes away from campus, and yes, he does have SMU ties, but more importantly, incredible athlete. I mean, if he were to pick up any sport, I think he would be signing NLI for whatever sport that was. I just think uh, he's that good of an athlete, and I'm excited to see what he's really capable of and to be able to you know, be part of the next couple of years with him and to be able to try and help mold all his raw talent and athletic abilities is going to be fun. I mean, he's going to make an incredible impact right away in doubles, his skill sets and doubles are very, very strong. And as we continue to develop his other parts of the game and transition to the college level, it's going to be fun to see where he's at. But recruiting on the in our backyard has been important. So have a couple of Dallas kids, have a couple of Texas kids is important. And more uh, larger than that, we've had quite a few Americans uh, commit and choose and wanting to come to SMU uh, in the last 18 months. So I think that's been fun. We signed uh, six last year, two this past week and, you know, looking for a couple more as we continue to build this program. Now, for you guys, I mean, just an incredible tennis facility that you guys have at your disposal now. How big is that in recruiting? We've seen that obviously play a factor in football and basketball is moody. I mean, but, but for that type of facility, that's it's, you know, one of the best, if not the best in the country. You're right. It is. It's a incredible, most beautiful place there is. It's a really nice facility, indoor, outdoor, and, to have the resources and the auxiliary space that we have is is a, a huge advantage and tool for our program. And then from a recruiting standpoint, I think it is important, but at the same time, it's one of many, many factors. 
you know, would I say recruits are coming here just because of the facility? Probably not. I'd like to think that there are other components and other reasons that uh, attract them to here. And certainly, you know, the way things are going, so many places have incredible facilities. It's tough to measure what makes one better than the other because they all have their own little bit of charm and, you know, design and, you know, architecture. So they all play different roles. But, I mean, are we very lucky to have the facility that we do have? Yes, 100%. You know, it was just named uh, one of the top facilities of the year by the USTA, and to have that recognition on a national level is special. But, you know, I think it's certainly one component. But more importantly, I believe – SMU has some incredible athletic facilities and buildings on campus. You know, their um, aquatic center, which is brand new, is one of the best. And they just uh, finished the Armstrong Fieldhouse at the IPC, which we've had a chance uh, to work out there a few times and run on the indoor turf. And to see Lloyd uh, have a full stadium for football games has been fun. And to see all moody and everything is exciting. So even me as a sports fan myself, I love going to the different facilities on campus and supporting the other teams and other athletic uh, programs. And, you know, hopefully uh, down the road, other other coaches and teams and the Dallas tennis community will want to support our program. Moving on, on the court, coming up, you know, your second season uh, as head coach, what are some of your expectations going into this season? You mentioned you had the six Chinese nice come in uh, for, for this fall, and, and you certainly have some, some great talent coming back as well. We do. You know, I mean, uh this first season last year was uh, was a memorable one. I think you're always going to remember your first year as a head coach and tremendous growing uh, year for myself, for the program, for the team, for the guys. I think it was really special. Um, and then moving forward, I think we're going to continue to raise the bar. And as we move forward, you know, we had one senior last year, and, and, and uh, he was a, a great senior. And so we do return a lot of players. And then obviously integrating some of the new recruits that have come in, it's kind of finding everyone's role and fit and the type of um, what space they're going to be in. And uh, so the expectations are high and we're going to continue to uh, just put one foot in front of the other and try to get a little bit better, a little bit better and start competing on not just the conference level, but also on the national scale. So I, I think the guys have been working hard. We just completed a, a very physically demanding fall, uh, got a lot of matches in a lot of competition in and, you know, now is the time for them to all kind of enjoy a little bit of the holidays with family, but also study for final exams and then get a little bit of a breather before we kickstart things in January. And one one of your players that, that's going to be heavily relied upon is John Simone Rubisky, uh out of Germany, junior now. Uh, that, that veteran leadership on a young team probably is going to uh, come, in, come in handy. Absolutely. You know, we're going to lean on him heavily. That's a uh, young man who has done a great job uh, on so many levels. You know, I mean, he, there's a reason why he's one of our two captains. Uh, Jan and uh, Gardner are both our captains this season, and there's a reason for that. You know, and Jan's done an incredible job with his school, his ad- academics, his tennis, developing his game, you know, how hard he works on and off the court and what he brings uh, in the classroom because these are all very important factors to him. So he's the, someone who's always kind of led by example and, you know, been a role model and a figure who, you know, out there, he's one of, in some ways, he's a little bit of a, a playing coach, you know, because he kind of sees a different perspective, obviously, from the coaches, and he's in the trenches with the guys, and to be able to rely on him, and he's fit that role very nicely, is, is someone we're going to really rely on in both singles and doubles. And, and you and you mentioned Gardner, and uh, I had to ask uh, just the way he came back from that injury last year, and, and kind of, you know, helped down the stretch of that season, 
what what you know goes through I guess a recovery mid season for a tennis player to come back and then and then contribute the way he did. Sure. Well, uh, you know you can't put a value on Gardner. I mean that's someone who just uh, uh, honestly since I've been here and the years all his years here has has played so many roles and worn so many hats. Um, and any time he's been needed, he's been called up. He's there, and so that's someone who's put the team before himself. Um, and you know that's why he's been the uh, captain for three years. But he had a difficult injury back in um, in the beginning of the season in February, and it was the last match of a four-three battle. We ended up coming up a little short, but for him to be able to come back from that injury, do the proper rehab, he was so diligent in his treatment, and then to really be able to, I think, find his form towards conference was great. And I think it's going to go the same here. I mean, that's someone that we're going to need and rely on on court, off the court to to be there. His, uh, you know, fourth year in school, he's going to graduate very, very shortly. And, and, you know, he's going to try to figure out his future. I know that, but his future is bright. But I know his mind and everything is going to be geared toward his last year here um, at SMU. And and you, we talked about the star-studded class that you brought in, guys like Ethan Leone. Uh, guys like Jordy Regulick, how how difficult is it to adjust as a freshman? But you you have a bunch of them that that just have so much talent. Well, I think coming in together, it's been great. You know, I think they've all been able to lean on each other, um, learn from each other, from you know mistakes and tumbles and here and there. And and college is a tough transition, you know, and we stress that and prepare for that as much as we can. And uh, I think they've done a nice job and. You know, Jordy Redelek is, is, uh, was the first recruit I called when I got the job. And uh, I, I recruited him heavily at UCLA, and he was probably close to committing there. And, you know, the second I got the job, I called him up right away, and I said, hey, let's get you on a visit. Come, come see what's going to happen right now. And uh, when he committed, I remember that because I, I really believe that what he's going to bring to the day bowl and how uh, what he's done is going to be incredible. And uh, same thing with Ethan Leone. That was a young man who I think really is a diamond in the rough, and he has gotten stronger since he's uh, been in college. He's adjusted to the college student-athlete lifestyle, which is not easy. It's extremely demanding, and, and along the way, he's played some incredible tennis. I mean, anyone to win their first 13 college tennis matches is pretty impressive. You know, so he, uh, you know, he didn't lose for the first five weeks of the college season, so I think that's something to be said. And uh, these are two guys that we're going to need and uh, rely on uh, in the upcoming season. And, and honestly, it's why we recruited them. Well, very good. We, we appreciate your time and, and excited to see uh, year two on the Hilltop for you. And, and that'll get going in, in mid-January. So uh, we appreciate, like I said, your time jumping on the podcast with us and, and looking forward to following men's tennis and, and you know all the sports on the Hilltop. So we appreciate the time. Thanks so much, Coach. Billy, I really appreciate the the moment with you, but it's been fun and exciting and appreciate you and the Pony Stampede. And, you know, it's going to be a fun season in the spring, and we hope to see you guys out here. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.